0: you're listening to the dietitian cafe rd2b podcast brought to you by new ultra my name is tracy delestro and i'm a second year student dietitian studying at wrexham university Through this podcast, we aim to share knowledge and inspire student dietitians and gain insight from knowledgeable and experienced guests. In this episode, we will explore the benefits of joining the British Dietetic Association, otherwise known as the BDA, how it can support students and prospects once qualified, and in particular, all about the specialist groups that are available to join. So today, I'm delighted to be joined by three guests, Carl Kennedy, BDA student representative, Gillian Farron, Vice Chairperson of the Board of Directors of the BDA and Emma Brighton, BDA Membership Manager, to give us more information on how the BDA can support your learning journey. Kyle Kennedy is a third year human nutrition and dietetics student studying at Glasgow Caledonian University, GCU. He is the BDA Student Representative for 2023-2024, Secretary for the BDA Public Health Specialist Group, Communications Representative for the Nutrition Society Student Section, President of the GCU Dietetic Society, and on the School Board for the School of Health and Life Sciences at GCU as Department Representative for Occupational Therapy, Human Nutrition and Dietetics. Kyle is a passionate advocate for students and is currently working on his three aims as BDA student representative, identifying financial, geographical and educational barriers for students who want to go into dietetics, ensuring that all BDA student members have equal access to BDA-related extracurricular events, and increasing awareness of the profession. He has also written two public health nutrition articles for the BDA. Gillian is a registered dietitian based in East Ayrshire, Scotland, who is passionate about all things food-related. Gillian is registered with the British Dietetic Association and with the Healthcare Professions Council, HCPC. Qualifying with a BSc Human Nutrition and Dietetics from the University of Dublin, Trinity College, in 1998, Gillian has chalked up a comprehensive range of experience in over two decades as a practising dietitian. Her experience and research interests extend across the specialisms of neurology, acquired brain injury, mental health and well-being, inherited metabolic disorders, endocrinology, weight management and sports performance, having also held specialist posts in maternal and early years nutrition earlier in her career. Throughout her career, Gillian has enjoyed opportunities to share her work and achievements at events hosted within and outside the field of dietetics, both nationally and internationally. Gillian's current role within NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde is professional lead for dietetics. And alongside this, Gillian is vice chairperson of the board of directors for the British Dietetic Association. Emma Brighton is the membership manager at the British Dietetic Association and has been in her role now for around a year and a half. Her main responsibilities include leading on engagement activities to continue the BDA's high levels of member satisfaction and to drive growth of membership across all levels from students to experienced professionals in the field of dietetics and nutrition. Her role is also responsible for overseeing the recruitment and retention of BDA members, ensuring that their offering meets their respective needs and remains inclusive to all within the wider dietetic community throughout every step of their career. Without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome our next guest to the podcast. Hello, Kyle, Gillian and Emma. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hi, thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, thank you. Hi, Tracy. Great to be here. So to start off with, can you tell us a little bit about what the British Dietetic Association does and the main aims of the organisation?
1: Yeah, so I'd say the BDA is the only body in the UK representing the whole of the dietetic workforce. Um, they're a trade union professional body that represent the professional, educational, public and workplace interests of their members. Um, I'd say their main aims, um, I'd say, are to prepare and support the soon-to-be dietetic workforce, but also support and guide the UK population to eat better. And they also have uh, have created a network for dietitians and training is a component of that as well.
0: Brilliant. So what are your current roles for the BDA and how did you get into these roles?
1: Yeah, so I'm the BDA student rep. So for that role, I seen the advertisement online and applied. Uh, and had my own sort of mini social media campaign alongside that on Twitter and Instagram to try and um, convince people that I should be their BDA student rep and why. Um, and yeah, no, I've got voted in and uh, that's where I am now. <laughs> and for my secretary role, um, the BD website was, they have a vacancy page for um, the specialist groups. And i seen my interest, which is public health, and looked at the vacancies, and it was, it was the student member one. Um, I applied to be the student member, uh, and then from there, I became the secretary when there was a vacancy, um, which was a brilliant opportunity. And then I'm also a student member, because I'm a third-year diatech student response well alongside that.
0: So very, very busy role at the moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And um, that all sounds really interesting. I know and um, myself and other students will probably follow you on social media.
2: Um, so Gillian, how about your role? So Tracy, um, I, um, as an Irish graduate, I came over to the UK first in 2010, um, uh, starting off in Birmingham and, and surrounding areas um, with a few different NHS roles over the first couple of years. Um, around the same time, the British Dietetic Association was transforming its governance structures from a, a council to a board of directors. And I had come from a role as a director with the World Scouting Movement uh, in Switzerland, in their international centre in, in Switzerland. Um, I had been volunteering for a year um, as a director on their board of directors. And so quite luckily, the timing just um was very opportune. I had the Dietetics and I had the as Director. And around that time, as I say, the Board of Directors uh, was formed for the BDA and took over from the previous council. And um, I stuck my hat in the ring and uh, was fortunate enough to get a, a place on that first board. So served um, a term as an ordinary member, my first term. And then during that first term, um, Caroline, our chairperson, invited me to be her vice chair and I've been doing that ever since.
0: That's great. Thank you. And
3: Emma? Hi. Yeah, so I'm not uh, of a dietetic background myself. Um, my background is working with um, membership organisations for those working in uh, within the health professions. Um, so, yeah, in a similar vein to these guys, saw a role online, applied for it. And I've been here for yeah about a year and a half and very much enjoying it and learning lots about the world of dietetics and nutrition.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, that's great. It's great to have all three different aspects here to talk about the BDA and also um, the student specialist groups and also any um, other opportunities that the BDA holds, which we will discuss in uh, due course. So, Kyle, how on earth do you manage to do the student representative role um, and the specialist group role alongside your current studies?
1: Yeah so I get asked this quite a bit and I would say I have the same answer every time that I'm just it just comes down to passion and interest so if you're passionate about something and you're really interested it's not it doesn't doesn't really seem like work at all and sort of almost almost hobby like you know what I mean sort of um if you're interested in it you can just (laughs) it doesn't, doesn't take much effort and um I would say I want to make a change as well. Uh, having that sort of long-term aspect um, underlining your passion is really important as well. And I, f- I think that's how I have man- anti-management as well. That's obviously really important.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I-, I agree with that. I think um, definitely having a passion in something makes it a lot more easier to manage. And how important do you feel being a member of the BDA is as a student dietitian?
1: Uh very important. <laughs> I think it's a massive advantage to be a member of the BDA. Um you get access to all the resources the BDA has. Um you have access to the student forum, the special scripts of course. Um you've got access to even mental health resources as well. Um and I, I would say the special scripts are the main the main thing for for me personally, that I found really helpful. Um, You get to work with a network of dietitians that are a specific field of your specific interest. For example, I'm very interested in public health, so I joined the public health specialist groups and I've got to meet uh, professionals in the field that are doing amazing things and got to join them on some of those amazing things. Um, And I think the price of it as well makes it an even bigger advantage, I'd say. Um, Being... Uh, free for first year dieticians uh, and then discounted by nine, almost 90% for second, third and fourth year, which is £40 a year, which is just brilliant for what you get.
0: Yeah, that's definitely yeah, an advantage. And even just student, students having that knowledge that the first year is free um, is such a, a big help for students. Um, and I can vouch for you on the the resources and just having everything to hand and knowing that, like you say even just the resources knowing that they're evidence-based which is drummed into us from the very beginning as um student health professionals so you mentioned there a little bit about cost um emma is there anything you can add with regards to the the current student members you know what percentage of student dietitians are currently student members with you yeah, so we currently have around 1,200 students. We're uh, just
3: awaiting the final intake from those who begin in February for this year. Uh, we tend to see a maximum of around 1,400 students at any time. Um, we also, sort of further to that, we have about 325 or so graduate members at the moment. Um, we might come on to that a bit later. But um, uh, in terms of affordability, um, yeah, as you've said, first year is free, followed by uh £40 pounds a year, um, we have sort of looked at, um, you know, we always try and make sure that our, our offering is um, is competitive with that, uh, that's provided by um, professional organisations for other AHPs. I think we came out the third cheapest, and I think for what we kind of provide for our student members, it's essentially the same as our full members get, it's what uh, what the registered dietitian members will get um, for a fraction of the cost. Um, and yeah, we're there to sort of support you every step of the way, so the discounts don't just end with your student membership, you can also, um, as an existing student member, once you graduate, um, you can actually take advantage of 50% discounted membership for your first year as a qualified dietitian. Um, just to, to sort of, we like to provide some further financial support while things are kind of up in the air, you're sort of starting off there as well, not quite sure sort of where you are, you could be, um, you know, all in sort of different circumstances. So we want to offer support um, throughout your career, not not just, you know, it doesn't just end when you uh, when you finish your course.
0: Oh, that's great. Thank you. That's really good to know as well. Um, obviously, I knew as a student member about the first free year, but I've not really thought about when we're qualified and obviously it fast approaches. Um, so that's that's great to know that there's further support as well for for us when we're off free into the into the field. Um. So I know we've talked about some of the um the resources, the specialist groups, networking chances, um, support, and also events that the BDA covers. Um, what would you say has been the most useful resource that you found most helpful so far, Kyle, in your studies?
1: I have to say it's the specialist groups. There is a lot of resources that I've used. Um the fact sheets in particular, um, for like sort of background reading for university. But the most useful definitely has been the special scripts. Just being able to, and I'm a big fan of extracurricular events, the extracurriculars as well. And I think it's one of the best um, things you can do as a dietetic student because you do get a network of dietitians that can help support you. Um, there's multiple roles that you can choose to sort of put your name towards, which have different skills that you need. And um, it's just brilliant for your CV as well for once you graduate. Um, and some of some of this networking can be lifelong as well so for example um, once you're if you go for a committee position you could be on that committee once you graduate if you're um, on sort of like a secretary role or uh, I don't know what other role students might be in but treasurer social media um, I think a lot of students probably take the social media role um, and yeah it just get to work on some really cool things for example I've got to at the moment in the public health specialist group we've got a working group for the manual dietetic practice public health nutrition chapter and I've been helping support that and even going to be able to write a little bit on that and that's something I never thought I'd be able to do as a student um it's just insane to think that um I'm helping to write in the manual dietetic practice um as a student and other students can do that as well oh
0: that's really interesting to hear um Gillian, did you want to add something to that?
2: Yeah, I just—I um, think it's important as as a, a long time graduated dietitian to um, also share how important it is for um, dietitians like me, who could be seen as as highly experienced. But at the end of the day, um, practicing day to day, we love to have students um, along alongside us. Sorry, I'll just say that again. In in, in practicing day to day we love to have students take part in specialist groups for the cutting edge information that they have at their fingertips um, while they're in training um, and that can be so both refreshing but also um so useful to us um when perhaps we aren't as close to that ac- academic evidence base as our student members are and equally it's two-way because i have often enjoyed being able to help a student connect maybe their area of interest um, in terms of where their future career might take them. But also as their student life um plays out and they're coming to the point where they're deciding on projects, perhaps for an undergraduate dissertation, that they can also connect with um dietitians who are registered and within the BDA specialist groups who might be able to support them and, and foster that interest and ensure that they have the right connections to make sure that dissertation that or any piece of research um, is, is well connected into the, the practicing membership.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you for that to hear about the two different aspects from the qualified experienced dietitian to also the, the newly, newly qualified dietitian. And like you said, Kyle, the networking opportunities. And it's interesting to hear actually about in the specialist groups, you have opportunities to actually work on things and experience things, um, which is really handy to to know. Um, so thank you for, for your input on that one. With regards to the specialist groups, I believe that as student members, we're entitled to be part of two groups. Is that correct? Yes. How do students know which specialist group is for them when they come coming to look at choosing those two groups?
1: I would say it's perfectly normal not to know what specialist group is for you, especially as a student, uh, especially if you're in your first year as well not knowing exactly um, what group you want to join and I would say that's perfectly fine and I would encourage all students to go try and test uh, see what they like see what they don't like uh, and that's perfectly fine I, I would say sort of I've even sort of jumped, jumped between groups uh, and I remember being um a little nervous saying oh I don't want to leave like it might look bad uh, but it's perfectly fine uh, perfectly perfectly fine to sort of Maybe go into a group you're not a big fan of it. um You find something that you're a bit more interested in, uh, and then you apply for that one instead. And I'd say that's that's like that's the best way to do It's just to try and test and see what you like.
3: Just to add to that, with my BDA hat on, um we do try and encourage mem- uh, student members to try and stick with the group uh, at least for a year if we can. Um, Obviously, as Kyle's sort of said, it's so hard to know at the start what's going to kind of pique your interest and, you know, your your interests may change and develop throughout your degree. Um, So the way that we allow students to change groups is um, you'd sit with one for a year and then you can leave a particular group at the point of your next renewal. So you could be with two, uh, you have two free groups your first year and they could completely change uh, for your second year. So all in all, throughout your degree, if it's a three year degree. You could have been a member of six groups if you wanted to, or you could have found what you like immediately and you could have stuck with that throughout. Um, and you can, you know, it's not just two groups you can join. You can join as many or as few groups as you like, but the two cheapest will always be free. Um, uh, when they're at cost, they're about 20 to £25 pounds a year, so not a huge amount on top of membership
0: brilliant that's great thank you yeah it's interesting cuz i know when i was about to to join um a specialist group it, one of my main worries was what if it's the wrong one how do i know what i'm getting into can i change but it's it's great Carl, like you said you you're part of your group because you've got particular interests and then you were you were able to to swap and change um and it's interesting emma to get that advice of stick with it for a year um and then having the opportunity to to mix it up if you wanted to, as you're, I suppose, as you get experience on placement and things like that, and are exposed to different areas. Um, that's really good to know and something that I, am, I know I will be taking away with me. And it's good to know as well that if you wanted to be part of others, you can pay extra, which you've, so you've got the option to do so as well. So in terms of the specialist groups, then, what can be expected for students or professionals who are part of a specialist group?
1: Um, I'd say the main thing is getting to know diet, getting that sort of extra exposure um, to dietetics from outside of uni. Um, so as I said, you, if you go and apply for a committee position, you'll get to work and help shape the group. Um, and you'll get to be a part of um, sort of putting together events, doing social media for the group. Um, if you just join as a normal member, you can obviously attend the events that the committee put together, um I think some webinars some groups make as well um and live events online and you get in person once too um and I'd say the main thing that I've found really helpful is getting to sort of work on projects in the committee I found that incredibly interesting for example working on a chapter in the man of dietetic practice is an incredible opportunity um some other things we've done is put together uh dental health event with the public health group so we put together an event and get to put social media posts out for that as well and I should say when I when I joined as a student member as the group um I got to do some a bit of research on some topics and then from that sort of make social media posts on that and I found that very helpful and very useful as well
0: oh that's um yeah that's really interesting um Jillian, did you want to add to that
2: yeah, I think um, specialist groups. If if you view them, um, sort of, I like to put things kind of simply at times. And I think if you view them as a subsection of the overall association and apply that philosophy that we have in the BDA in terms of how it supports members uh, and apply it to specialist groups, there's also that aspect of being able to advance the profession within that specialism. And I think for students, particularly, you know, as you're embarking um, on a career. And and you're thinking about how you'd like it to look. Um, I think the chance to be able to shape our profession and to make it into something that you want to be part of, and particularly within a specialist area, I think that's a, a chance worth taking. Um, within those two free um, specialist members memberships, sorry, within those two free specialist memberships that you you have as part of your student membership, um, and also the opportunities that you can expect from that. um, If you do step forward as a volunteer within a specialist group, you have all sorts of opportunities in terms of being able to attend events, including the annual groups and branches day that BDA run, but also uh, specialist trainings that will equip you for the role. So again, you're not expected by the group to know everything and know how to do everything but what you can expect is additional training and resource. So things that as dietitians, we don't get as part of our basic training, at least in most universities that I'm aware of. And I'm thinking about things like business and leadership skills, um, treasurer's training, which brings in all sorts of financial skills, which uh, believe me, the longer you, you, you practice in dietetics, the more you realize just how important they are. So there's a lot of extra opportunities there um, as a member of a specialist group and even better as a member who volunteers within the group. And again, remembering at the end of the day that being a member of the specialist group doesn't mean you have to do anything. You could be there just to enjoy being a member, an ordinary member who experiences the benefits. So never any pressure to step forward. Always welcome to be involved.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, like you've highlighted, the importance of having that extra training under your belt. The, like you said, Carl, the exposure, um, and the experience, so the exposure to other other areas, but also when you're looking at getting that first role, you've got all of this experience to kind of push on top of your your student training, uh, which obviously is is huge. Um, and like you said, Gillian, one of the panics I had when I was joining the specialist group is what is going to be involved as you know as a member what would I need to be do- doing so Carl you've mentioned experiences and things that you've been involved is in as a specialist group but how involved do student members need to be in these groups like you said Gillian is it a case if you can just kind of sit and observe sometimes and then when you feel the time's right as confidence grows or interests grow then you can participate?
2: Yeah, Tracy, I think it's important that the the, the same, um, if you like, philosophy around being a member of a specialist group applies to really everything we do as dietitians. And I I refer there to the kind of 80-20 rule, you know, that really um, our first job in terms of being really good members is to listen um, and to be part of the group in terms of experiencing it and, and to feel confident that there's absolutely no pressure to contribute in that first instance. But really, Again, you'll know if it's the group for you. And as Kyle says, if you feel that passion about being involved, it'll come naturally um, that you want to contribute at the right time for you. And that doesn't need to be um, with any particular time limit on it. The main thing is to show up and and be part of the group, um, listen in. And then when something grabs your fancy, don't be scared to put your hand up and volunteer.
0: Yeah, when you first uh, participated, Kyle, how did you find it? Was it something that you were just eager to to be involved in or did you kind of sit back on the guidelines first?
1: Yeah, so I was very nervous at first. <laughs> I'd never joined a specialist group before. Um, and I'm just going to use my public health interesting example, but the I joined as a student member first. So I applied to be a student member first. Um, and then what happened then was I sent an email to just observe a committee meeting and sort of had my mic off the whole time and sort of chipped in when I could and um, found that they had a sort of opening for social media role but I didn't want to take on the social media officer role but I had just offered to do a couple of posts and that's how I started sort of um, researching some public health topics because the BDA have awareness days and um, the public health specialist group have sort of been putting out posts that are related to public health for the BDA Awareness days, so that makes sense. Um, and yeah, so I just, I wrote some information on that, made a post, it got posted, and that's how I just did that in my own time. I just picked and choose Awareness Days. There was no pressure for me to do certain Awareness Days. Um, and I just did, did as much as I wanted. And then um, found that I was really enjoying being in the specialist group. And then the secretary position opened up. And then I sort of put my name forward for that. And now I sort of have a more um more sort of formal role, I guess you could say, sort of have to take minutes, um, have to make an agenda for the meeting type the minutes. So it's, it's different sort of responsibilities. But I would say the student role is very flexible.
0: Yeah, and things like that, they still lead you in good stead, don't they? For once you're qualified in in any role, you know, even like minute taking, agenda setting, things like that. And and obviously you probably would have had experience being the chair of the society at the university as well. Like that's, you know, similar things for organization. And like you said, time management has to be key. Um, so you've mentioned that there's uh, webinars and uh, the events that are face-to-face or virtual. So there's a, there seems to be a mixture of both type of um, meetings for specialist groups. Is that right?
1: um so there's three main types of meetings um there's the sort of just the normal committee meetings um that are just solely for the committee so like the chair the vice chair the treasurer secretary etc um and those i've never had an in-person um meeting is all it's all sort of been virtual for me i'm not sure how other special groups have done it um but i, I think it is mostly virtual just because for example i'm a scottish student um and the rest of the public health members are in england so it would, be, it would be impossible to go back and forth to england for every committee meeting um but yeah i'd, I'd say that's the main type of meeting and then you sort of you have an AGM as well which is uh, more of a sort of event um where you um sort of open up to your general members as well that join uh, I believe I've not actually attended an AGM, so I might need to be corrected on that. <laughs> um, and you also have the sort of just normal events that you can sort of make. So, for example, I mentioned the dental health event. So, that, that would be sort of a, your third type of meeting.
0: Okay. So, when somebody's part of a specialist group, how often do they? I know it'll be different depending on different areas, but how often typically do they tend to meet?
1: Um, so my experience with the public health one is we have a committee meeting every two months. Um, I'm not sure if anyone else here um, has any sort of different different uh, experiences of that, but that's been mine.
2: Well, that sounds about, about uh, you know, I, I think it depends. These things um, can follow a little bit of a natural cycle depending on the specialist group um, and also depending on what they've committed to in their work plan for the year. So... Um, Another thing that's important about specialist groups is it's one of the main vehicles that uh, members can su- submit business cases to um, the BDA. Um, and what a business case is, is really um, a proposal around a project for a piece of work, usually. There are other reasons for business cases, but that would be the main one that specialist group might submit. So when they are live, um, it might be that the committee or other members who have expressed an interest, it can be outside of the committee. So, again, if even if you're not a committee member, it may be that you put yourself forward for another piece of work, which is another way to do it without having the commitment of sort of being fully on the committee. Um, so I think it, it can be quite organic, and it. but I suppose the main thing is the meetings are driven by the work plan, um, which I think is a really good thing because um, specialist groups having a work plan means that you have that feeling of traction that something's happening from year to year. Um, and so as I say, it, it really does depend. And uh, the other thing I want to say about the in-person side of things, Kyle, is that a lot of groups, um, have rightly moved online. I think it's, it's a good thing, um, in the sense that it gives equity of access to everyone. Um, but also it's encouraged that when there's annual study days that are in person, that the committee makes time for themselves, um, to meet and get to know each other in person a bit, um, as, as much as possible. So, you know, it, it can have that sort of social aspect as well.
3: I'm just going to add there, while we're on the topic of events relating to the specialist groups, the BDA does hold an annual um, groups and branches day once a year. So um, that normally takes place in sort of June time. Um, that's open to anyone who is a member of um, uh, of a group or a branch. And it's um, a really great uh, opportunity to kind of showcase the work of, of our specialist groups and any particular exciting projects anyone's been working on. So the work you do with, within your group can sort of go beyond the parameters of that group, if you like. it can, You know, there can be exposure to... Um, our wider the wider bda membership which is um about eleven thousand members
0: thank you for that emma so you mentioned there about the branches um and uh, i believe the bda has 13 different branches across the uk is that correct
3: that is correct yeah so there are 13 uh, regional branches so um those are um they're, they're as important as the specialist groups i'd say but for a sort of different reasons um that's kind of mainly due to the fact that it's your, more your personal dietetic community. So those are the people that are based around you. So, um, for example, thinking about graduate members that I mentioned earlier, your first dietetic role may take you to um, a completely different region of the UK that you've never lived in or worked in before. And it's a really great way to meet your um, your local colleagues and to develop a bit of a sort of a local network. Um, and um, similar to the um, to the groups, the branches um, offer opportunities for CPD. Um, lots of events that are not quite as specific as the group events. While the groups will focus on the particular fields that they relate to, the branches kind of have a glimpse at everything. Um, and they're not so they're not such a big commitment. So a lot of the group events, uh, for example, can take up a day, whereas um, the branches will have kind of you know the odd one hour webinar, uh, and you can kind of get your CPD in kind of smaller chunks that way if you prefer. Um, but it's not. It's not. You don't have to be a member of a group. Uh, you can also be uh, a member of one or more groups if you like. If you're on a bit of a border, so you live in what one area, one region, and you work in another, um, and you can change it whenever you move. Um, so it's kind of a, a dynamic support network throughout your career.
0: Well, that's really handy to know that um, you can change branches if if you need to. And um, so in terms of having a local branch what is the benefit of being part of that local branch as opposed to just any any particular branch
1: um so i would say your local branch will have probably have local in-person events so by um being a part of your local branch you can attend those events um and you'll also get i believe you will get emails as well um I think, do local branches do newsletters?
3: Yeah, so there's there's definitely, yeah, there's newsletters. They keep you up to date as a specialist group does. Um, and just a um, quick note on those in-person events, they tend to be um, based at universities. So it's kind of, it's happening where you are as a student. So you just need to sort of, you know, put your head around the door and um, you're welcome to jo- to
0: join and yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting to, to hear. Thank you. Yes, Gillian?
2: I'd just like to add, Tracy. in terms of your local branch, it really is your first port of call in terms of being able to understand the, I suppose, local governance um, and what might be affecting your practice as a dietitian, really regardless. I mean, we we think about it maybe most closely aligned to those of us working in the public sector, whether that be in the NHS clinically or within public health or industry or attached to local councils. Um, But essentially, um, again, I suppose it's from my example, now based in Scotland, but only recently based here, the branch has been crucial for me to really understand the local culture and the influences that affect dietetics as it's practiced up here, which has some quite distinct differences to what I would have experienced in Middle England and even more so um from where i first came from in ireland so your local branch really is a great way not just to get to know your new local colleagues if you've moved but also to get to understand and get under the skin of the culture of how dietetics is practiced and where you've just moved to or indeed where you're just about to embark in practice
0: yeah that's um great thank you it's it's um Helpful to understand a little bit more about the, the branches as well as the specialist groups and, and knowing the benefits of being that local branch. Like you said, Kyle, sometimes you're quite far away from the specialist group, so it's difficult to kind of network, um, whereas a, a, a local branch has that opportunity. So I guess in terms of the branches and the specialist groups, then are the meetings all for CPD purposes or are there socials too where maybe the, the dietitian hat comes off a little bit and you kind of are able to network. Um, Like you said, still in the world of dietetics, but there's a little bit less pressure on um, giving input to certain projects or things like that.
1: Yeah. So as I uh, mentioned before, there's generally three types of meetings. There's the committee meetings um, that are for sort of the progress of the group and the sort of focusing on the aims of the group and what they want to achieve. Um, you have the study days, which do tend to focus on CPT and networking. And then you have the specialist group study days, which um, are, are about learning, but um, I would say are a bit less sort of formal, um, sort of sort of mingle with people and network. I feel like all I'm talking about is networking. <laughs> there is so much more uh, to it than just networking. Um, but it is a main advantage of, of these sort of... Um, meetings and for example the uh, HIV care specialist group are offering a lot of opportunities at the moment and um, for networking asking questions and sort of sharing experiences as well Um, I'd say just to add to it as well it's a brilliant opportunity for students to meet from other universities I think um, sort of getting to mingle sort of learning so sort of asking sort of oh, what, what sort of what's in your course that sort of sort of those general questions sort of um sharing experiences and stuff like that. I think it's really important and make friends and stuff and for sort of lifelong purposes.
0: Yeah. I think, like you said, no dietetics or nutrition and dietetics course is ever the same. So it's, it's interesting to hear every, everybody's different learning experience and take something away from that as well. And um, so I know Carl, you mentioned you'd been on a few of the specialist group events and um, can you give us an example of some that you've been on recently and how you found them?
1: Um, so special script events. I've actually only, <laughs> uh, only. I've not actually attended any. I don't think. Um, I think I've, I've helped with, sort of, the planning of them before. Um, I would say something that's not been mentioned is the research, uh, the research sim- symposium. Um, that I attended last year and that was absolutely brilliant uh, and I would encourage all students to go because <laughs> it was incredible. Um, as I said, you get networking but you also it was a real day for learning um, and learning the sort of novel research that's come out as well and also being able to sort of support student research uh, which I found there's not many opportunities to do that I don't think. Um, so it was really nice environment just to be able to chat um support other students by sort of listening to the research and also you're learning in the process as well you're always going to be learning something
0: (laughs) yeah and like you said just just meeting like-minded people um, and that exposure to other areas as well within um, your specialist group so i'm aware that we've got the specialist groups and the specialist subgroups so can you tell us a little bit about the difference between those two
1: So my understanding is that you have the specialist group and then within that you have subgroups. Um, So for example, I'm going to use the public health one again, (laughs) but the public health group has a subgroup of the food insecurity subgroup. And my understanding is that you, and someone correct me please if I'm wrong, um, you join the specialist group and then you have the option, and I think it's I don't want to say it's always free to join the subgroup. I'm not 100% sure.
3: They are so far. Yes. Yep.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) So once you join the specialist group and then it's free of charge to join the subgroup within your specialist group. (laughs) <laughs> <That> makes sense.
3: <laughs> yeah, so just, just to expand on that, oh, sorry, uh, from the internal BDA perspective, um, so a lot of our groups, uh, specialist groups, um, have quite a uh, kind of broad focus, uh, thinking of um, oncology, for example. Um, so they have uh, subgroups which offer a focus into a particular area of oncology um, for those that practice in that field. I think oncology has five subgroups now, uh, including the prehabilitation uh, subgroup, um, and as i said before all of those subgroups are free to join as long as you are a member of the kind of we've sort of described them as a parent and child group so if you're a member of the parent group you can join all the all the children
2: <laughs> yeah i would just add um my my area of uh, specialism at the moment is mental health um and um within the mental health specialist, specialist group we have um the subgroup for CAMS, which is Child and Adolescent Mental Health. Um, and that is where my practice is particularly focused. So it's wonderful to be able to have that breadth of knowledge because, you know, with all of the conditions that we choose to follow in terms of our passions and our specialisms, they are all um, lifelong in terms of of um, how they impact the people that we support. But it's so nice sometimes to be able to take that paediatric focus, that, that child health focus, Um, And I think a lot of the other groups will have that sense of taking, you know, a niche that concerns quite a lot of members in terms of trying to advance the learning and advance sort of consensus in terms of practice. And that's where the subgroups can be really, really uh, beneficial. And again, as I say, if you find as a student, you have a passion for a particular specialist area and then within that niche, there's always that room for growth. Um, And I think the specialist groups really encourage that.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. So in terms of the specialist subgroups, then, is there a limit to how many we can be part of within a specialist group?
3: No, nope, there's no limits placed on that. Uh, when it comes to uh, all groups offered by the BDA, be it um, specialist or subgroups, you can join as, as many as
0: you'd like. That's really good. Thank you. So. I know, Carl, you've talked about the benefits of um, the BDA and the specialist groups, but how has the BDA and particularly being part of a specialist group helped you in your training?
1: From being a student member, I was able to research and sort of study the topic of public health. Um, From a standpoint of skills, um, definitely opened my eyes to how difficult social media can be (laughs) if you're doing social media work um and sometimes sort of simple to think that you're just putting a post up but a lot a lot of time actually goes into it um and a lot of effort and I would say from my secretary role um that's sort of where my sort of skills um develop more broadly so for example minute taking and the agenda setting and sort of you're you're also very if you if you do take on the sort of secretary role, you're very enveloped in what the groups do, um, and you're very aware of, or you have to sort of be aware of everything sort of groups up to because you're taking note of it and you're writing the minutes and stuff like that. And I found that incredibly useful. Um, it means I'm fully up to date on everything the public health specialist group is doing. Um, and I find sort of skills wise, sort of taking a committee role is really good. Um. I, would, I, would, I would sort of want to. don't want to say that like a committee rule is the only sort of thing you can do. Obviously, you can just become a general member and then you'll learn from... So, for example, I'm also a member of the Optimising Nutrition Prescribing Group, but I'm just a general member of that group. And they have a newsletter that comes out, um, I think, monthly. And um, you've got sort of the... Uh, I forgot what it's called (laughs) it's like a, a list of all the sort of nutrition supplements all nutrition supplements and sort of what's going on with them uh in sort of present day and I found sort of joining this group really useful because it's not something that's very much spoken about at my university I don't think um I'm not sure sort of what your experience of of that has been but um I found that uh that was the main reason that sort of drove me to that group was I wanted something additional to uh, learn about from something that I might not cover as much as university um, I think that's a real advantage to the specialist groups actually is being able to sort of further your learning on a specific topic that you may or may not be interested in fully yet until you until you sort of figure that out um, and yeah I think it's it's a great addition to your sort of university career.
2: Tracy, if I can jump in, um, much as I'm 30 years uh, qualified uh, as a as a registered dietitian, um, this little bit of an anecdote still, uh, I think, holds true in terms of how, as a student, being able to access the wider membership of dietitians was crucial to me getting to where I needed to go, which was just to qualify in the first place. So way back then, um, I had the opportunity to go to Helsinki to the University of Helsinki to do my Um, undergraduate research dissertation Um, but just in the weeks before we were due to submit I returned to Dublin to finish writing up and submit only to find that my local university lecturers uh, the team really didn't have didn't have the confidence to sort of help me jump that final hurdle in terms of writing up it just wasn't their area of expertise and to be fair to them and I was very grateful they were very honest about that um, and said, we're going to have to seek um, for other for other uh, expertise um, amongst us. And at the time, it was, it was the fellow members who were able to get me past that. And I wouldn't have had that from my university lecturers. And I think we have to, you know, give credit where it's due. No one university can hold all of the knowledge and breadth of expertise that's necessary for the profession. And that networking, that membership of the BDA or the INDI, as it was for me, the Irish equivalent, but that networking can really get you past some of those pinch points in your career. Very same thing happened when I did my master's, which was public health focused. Um, I had a great interest in public health, but I didn't have the connections. And my dissertation actually towards my master's pushed me to make those connections. And then, as I say, make sure that that piece of work was meaningful and something I could take forward, not just as part of my master's, but beyond uh, when I went to work in public health. So, yeah, that networking um, and that, that resource in terms of, um, members being able to support you through those little pinch points in your career and your studies um, are it's absolutely crucial
0: Yeah that's really important to highlight really the fact that as you've both said networking having extra Extra support really um in specific areas that you're interested in, particularly, uh, knowing where to go to. And like you said, Kyle, having that extra knowledge on the base of foundation that you've got from university, having that up-to-date evidence-based information, um, it's it's crucial. And obviously being the board that we go to as student dietitians, it's and then once we're qualified, being the board that we we sit under it's vital to know that we have that place, that safe space um, and also that place where we can expand. Um, so that's that's great. Thank you. Um, now, I know you mentioned about different roles, Kyle, previously. Are there many current voluntary roles within the BDA for student dietitians at the moment?
1: Um, I'm not sure on the specifics, but if you are a student interested in volunteering for your branch, the BDA website has a specific page for the specialist groups. Um, I'm not sure. Is there one for the subgroups as well? But there's definitely one for the specialist groups and the branches. Um, maybe someone jump in to tell me if there's one for the subgroups.
3: <laughs> I think subgroups would be included with this with the specialist group uh, opportunities. Um, but yeah, there's lots, there's lots of opportunities, particularly at the moment for, sorry to interrupt you, Carl, were you done there?
1: Yeah, no, no. Go for it.
3: Sorry. <laughs> uh, so at present, we have um, a lot of opportunities uh, for our branch committees, which, as I said before, are commonly commonly centred around uh, the universities. So they're a really nice way to uh, to network in your local area. Um, but opportunities for specialist groups are coming up all the time. Um, And any student members would be more than welcome to submit uh, an expression of interest form um, to the to the BDA. And uh, the team will always do their best to place people sort of within their area of interest when that comes up. I know at the moment, the HIV specialist group is particularly keen to engage students. um, So I'm sure they'd appreciate a plug on here um, off the top of my head. Um, But yeah, there's things coming up all the time. And when you've joined your relevant Specialist group or branch. Um, as I said before, you'll um, you'll receive regular kind of newsletters. Um, you can follow them all on social media. If anything's going on, they make sure that people know about it. So you'll be uh, regularly informed when these opportunities arise. Should anyone wish to apply.
0: That's great. Thank you. It's um, I think you'll have a lot of people visiting the, the BDA website from the back of this, just as you said, finding out about more about the voluntary roles and also about the specialist groups. So you mentioned the expression of interest form for the voluntary roles. With regards to the specialist groups, is it a case of we contact the BDA again or is there a different process to kind of get involved in them?
1: So for the specialist groups, um, when you go on to the website and you select your specialist group, there's usually an email. Um, or, well, there's sometimes an email, but there's a form once you scroll down to the very bottom. And what it will do is it will take you to, for example, if you've got Outlook, it's Outlook is what I was just, it will give you a template and then email. And it'll give you the right email address, of course, as well. And it'll say sort of specialist group. Um, and it'll ask you to put in your specialist group um i can't remember what the other details are but it it lines it out all for you and you sort of just have to fill it in and send it away and then they get back to you quite quite quickly and obviously um you've also got social media as well and i'm sure uh, the groups would be very happy to respond to sort of social media uh, dms and stuff like that
0: that's brilliant thank you so much so Final question then um, for for all of you. So as a um, student dietitian, BDA member and also a qualified health professional, what top tips would you all give to current student dietitians? Uh, And that could just be a broad top tip.
1: Well, I would say join the specialist groups. (laughs) I think it's a massive advantage um, for all the reasons we've all lined out today. Um, But I would say take time out to find what you're interested in um, when you're at university you are bombarded with lots of information really interesting information it's brilliant but you really need, do you need to take that time for yourself and sort of find what you're interested in because it's very easy to sort of um sort of well, I, well for me it's been easy to sort of learn something and think oh that's amazing I want to do that and it took me just a moment to sort of step back and sort of think, oh, what well, what actually am I interested about this? And then sort of figured out that it's public health. I'm interested in sort of a wide range of things. Um, and yeah, I would say that's my number one top tip is um, sort of take time for yourself to figure out what you like in dietetics uh, and also joining the specialist groups as well. I mean, it's, uh, it's for the for the price of it uh, is incredible. And especially if you're in first year and you're not really sure, you can even just because it's free, you can you can join the group and see see if it's for you.
3: I guess with uh, from a BDA perspective, I would say similar vein to Kyle, but um, take advantage of your member benefits. Um, I think there's a lot of people who join, and because it's free for the first year and then doesn't cost very much thereafter, people kind of forget it's there. But we are, you know, we sort of we pride ourselves on offering um, kind of solutions to all pro- the professional needs of our members kind of under one roof. Um, so be that, uh, you know, insurance to cover you while you're doing practice-based learning and um, where your representative trade union, when um, when you begin uh, employment, uh, you know, the specialist groups, educational resources, events, there's always so much going on. And I think it's easy to, um, you know, life gets busy and um, things fall off the radar, but um, BDA is there to support you and the wider profession every step of the way um from your time as a student um throughout your career. And then we even have a, a category of membership for retired members who don't even work but they want to stay in touch with the with the community. So um please don't hesitate to um to to rely on us essentially.
2: Emma I can uh, follow you there. I think you've um, led quite nicely to the way I've been thinking about my top tips um, and if I was starting over again, how I might see my student membership as a real tool in my toolkit um, towards graduating and registering. Um, Kyle, you and I met before Christmas up at Glasgow Caledonian University um, to really talk about this very topic, about what the challenges were for students um, that BDA may be could help with. Um, and I think the thing that we really um, came together on was the point around membership um, being something that is central to your journey as a student rather than just an add-on or indeed another draw on your time as students. I think it's we've all shared that experience of um, feeling overwhelmed at times. There's so much to do and you've got quite finite timelines in terms of submission dates and uh, building your portfolio. And only God only knows what else you have to do as a student um, to get through. And and again, life happens along the way. And I think for me as a student, um, if I'd had more of a perception of the tools and resources available as part of my membership, I think I would have used them more. So I'd really encourage you to see particularly specialist group membership is something that's a shortcut to achieving um, the things that you have to do in terms of your studies and, and the, the bars that you have to climb over in terms of making um, assessments and and um, portfolios and exams. Actually, a lot of the shortcuts in terms of getting the study done are there within your membership package. Um, so see it rather as, as a fast track and a, a life hack than an add on that you have to find time for. Um, and remember, those of us who have gotten over that bar and are registered, we're so keen for having you join us um, and we we can't wait to welcome you into the profession. So make sure you use us, be curious, ask all the questions. And when you come out to placements, make those connections um, and, and make them stick. Because I think one of the great pleasures for me over the years has been staying in touch with students, fostering their passion and helping them up the ladder as best I can within my role. So please do see it as a time to make connections and to forge those friendships and alliances um because we really do uh, look forward to that i think um within the registered part of the membership.
0: Oh thank you all so much. I I like the idea of how you called it a life hack because it's important to recognize that it you know it's a it's a huge resource but it's also support which is Massive and and like you said, Emma, about the the trade union, the insurance, uh, which I completely forgot, are are two huge things when uh, we're students and professionals. Um, and I love the idea of the uh, retired members as well. I think it's important that just because people have retired from the profession, it doesn't mean they're forgotten about. So I really like the aspect that you've continued that on as well um, throughout. So, um, well, Kyle, Gillian and Emma, thank you so much for your time today and for informing us all on everything about the BDA uh, and everything that you have to offer, especially in terms of the specialist groups. I'm uh, very grateful of your time. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you. I'm sure many of our listeners will be eager to take a look at all of the opportunities that are available now that we've had a good insight into what's on offer and will definitely benefit from the discussions that we've had today. Kyle Gillian's and Emma's social media handles will be linked in the show notes for you to take a look at. A huge thank you once again to New Ultra for making this podcast possible. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of the Dietitian Cafe RD2B, then please consider subscribing and leaving a review or five-star rating so that we can reach even more RD2Bs for future shows. You can also follow New Altra on social media at New Altra across all platforms to keep up to date with the podcast and to hear the latest updates on medical nutrition. Thank you for listening. Our next episode will be out soon, so please come back and take a listen.